not last, it's not surpassed, it used to be a newspaper, the Bud Podcast, not outclassed, ones on mass, get it on my to the end of the game, the Bud Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is episode 123 of a show which answers the question, what would two chimpanzees do if they were handed a stack of local newspapers and a copy of Simon Marlon's Stats Bible? On the buff this week, we talk transfers. Marlon Fossey, Cole Stockton, Liam Gordon, all the other random names that the nameless Twitter accounts keep throwing up. What happens when you throw onions under a bus? Well, our old pal Keith Hill has his say. And it's ten years since Wanderers dropped out of the Premier League. Can we finally decide who was at fault? But first, let's say hello to Jack Iredale. Hi, I'm Jack Iredale. I'm delighted to sign for Bolton and I can't wait to see you all next season. Hello! He sounds nice, doesn't he? And now it's the point in the podcast where I introduce the hired help. Only he isn't hired. He just keeps turning up for nothing. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'd love to say that's not true, but it is true. I get my, I've got to meet Sam Allardyce. That's the reason I'm doing it. Pleasure to be here again. Um, and looking at what we've got to talk about today, despite the fact that the Bolton season has ended, there's still loads to talk about, which is great. Absolutely. First of all, this is the first weekend we've not had any football. How did you cope? Did you manage? Did you find yourself just kind of idly walking up towards the the Uniball and, and stay gazing sort of wistfully through the gates? You know what? I did actually. Um, I did find myself close to the Uniball. I was. Uh, I got to the roundabout to get onto the M62. I, I went, uh, and this this shows how depressing life without football is. I went blind shopping. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, did you go so, shopping blind or did you go blind shopping? Did you just tie a blindfold around yourself and just say, let's, let's see, first thing yeah. I bump into, I'm going to buy? Well, it was some of the prices of the blinds. I do wish I was blind. But um, <laughs> no, uh, no, yeah, so it was um, my wife's kind of, when we pulled up, went, oh, look, there's the stadium. She went, you've done this on purpose, haven't you? Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I did say though, I said, oh, it'd be probably three months now, or two and a Two and a half months till I'm next there. I uh, was in exactly the same situation. I actually found myself walking around Middlebrook, weirdly enough, for one reason or another. We had to go to a few different places, including the new, new decathlon. And, and I just looked, I'm like, I, this is my first weekend without football. First weekend where I'm a free man, effectively. And here I am about 500 yards away from the stadium. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But anyway, enough about yeah. us. Enough about us. Let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday and MK Dons, just for a very brief moment. We'll definitely be going there next season. I mean, if you're MK Dons, you are gutted about what has happened in those playoffs. Oh, yeah, I bet you are. And even for Sheffield Wednesday, do you know what made me... You realise with the playoffs that you spend months and weeks... Like, Sheffield Wednesday, we're trying to get into the playoffs. And then it's over in a week. Mm. You, isn't it strange how you spend all that time... Like, Bolton, we, we were trying to get into the... If we'd have got into the playoffs on the last game, that would have been about three months of building up to it and then we could have just been out straight away and it's just, it just feels like such a waste so um, I, I must admit I do like going to Sheffield Wednesday so I, I don't mind them staying down MK Dons I did it this season will I do it again 
possibly not. I don't. I've ticked that stadium off now. It's a long trip, mm. but um, yeah, MK Dons. I, I, from an MK Dons point of view, would you be worried that now they've had a good season, a few of the players might get tapped up, and uh, and they're gonna have to rebuild again? Definitely, definitely. If if I were a Championship club who played that similar style, somebody like Harry Darling or Scott Twine. They've got a couple of good players in that team, and and I don't imagine they're they're certainly financially secure enough to keep hold of them. But I I would imagine that their their arm might get twisted a little bit this summer. Um, I'd be gutted if I were them. I, I'm a bit like you. I, I definitely wanted Wednesday to stay down because I like going over to Sheffield. Um, MK Dons. I, I I think I want to get rid of Wickham now. I, I think I want to get rid of, rid of Wickham. Mm. Just it's a, it's a bit of a trip. Um, I would rather go to Sunderland. And see their acne prolonged a little bit, I suppose. Um, <laughs> God, they're desperate to get out of this division, and I don't blame them. But uh, no, I think, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because actually, if if Sunderland were to go up, that is one big, big club that you could get rid of, and it's you know not necessarily competing with Bolton next season. Wickham, I view them differently, even though they're probably cannier than Sunderland. You know, mm. I just think that if they had another season, financially speaking, they're not going to necessarily add a lot to the current squad. They might even see a couple of players stripped off and so they may be slightly weaker. Um, but with Sunderland, they're always going to be going for promotion. I don't ever see a time where they're not going to be investing to get into that top two. So maybe maybe I just suck it up, do a few extra miles and get rid of Sunderland. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go with that. Get rid of Sunderland because it's like when Leeds are in the Championship. They, they, everyone's just talking about Sunderland. So it's, it's a bit boring, in my opinion. And also... Remember, we haven't ever beaten Wickham. I don't think we've ever scored a goal against Wickham. So we need to change that somehow. No, that's a fair point. Um, and Leeds may well be in the Championship pretty soon by the looks of things. Yeah. Um, right, let's, let's get back to Bolton Wanderers, the real Wanderers. Um, a big signing this week. The first signing of the summer, Jack Iredale, is on board. Now, you won't have seen too much of him, I think, Henry. But what's, what's your initial thoughts on the signing? Good, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've not really don't really know much about him, but going off what Cambridge fans were saying, a lot of them were actually saying that he was their player of the season. Um, he's versatile as well, which is good. And I think, really, if you look at Ian Everett's squad, there's only a few players that um, that are stuck in a position. The rest have to be versatile. Like looking at Sadlier, played. Mm. He's only been here since January. I think he's played three different positions. Um, so yeah, it's, it seems good, and he he's got a, a a strike on him as well, a few top corner goals. So yeah, looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, it does look like a, a good talker as well. I like that. Always good when you can get uh, a player who can string a few sentences together. He's got a great backstory. Uh, if you uh, want to read all about him, then I did a lovely little feature on him earlier in the week on the Bolton News website for subscribers. So there you were. Uh, you might just want to have a look at that. It's one pound for three months, just to let you know. All summer. You can have all summer stuff for a quid. That You cannot say fairer than that. But anyway, that's my little advertising uh, for the week. Um, where, do you, where do you see him fitting in? Because I think Cambridge fans, and certainly when we spoke to the, the journalist Alex Jones the other week, he, he was saying he was, he was more of a left-back for the majority of the time he was there, but through circumstances made himself a, a centre-half. So... It could be him versus Declan John on the wing back, which I think that'd be too. That'd be a very strong uh, area of competition. Or is it him versus George Johnson on the left hand side of the three? Or is it both? 
I'd, I'd probably say both because going off how the pair of them ended the season, I don't think he's getting into the team. So I think it'll probably be see how he does in pre-season and then it's basically who blinks first or who gets injured first out of a John and Johnston and an idea will come in and have to try and claim that spot. But um, it, I mean, it just adds to the, the squad and I think, you know, with respect to um, Liam Gordon, for example, I think we we have improved the squad uh, and that's all you can ask for, isn't it? You look at the players that's gone out and then think, well, we need to build the squad up again. We we couldn't go into the season without doing that. So I, you've got to improve, and I think we have. Yeah, I think you look at that retain list, and if you can level up every one of those players on that retain list, then I think they've got a very good squad for next season. Okay, okay, right. Well, contrary to popular belief, I do not work for Twitter. And nor do I do podcasts for a living either. Um, I actually write for a newspaper, the Sport News. And here's proof. Give me some headlines, what I wrote, Henry. News. First one this week, and it's to do with Marlon Fossey. Um, when the club and I kind of teased the signing the other day of Idale. Most people actually thought it could be Fossey. Uh, so this hasn't been done yet, but we've seen a lot of in-the-no accounts on social media and uh, other stuff saying that this is almost done. How far down the line are we uh, with this one? Well, from what we can gather, it's very far down the line. I think there was a little haggling over the price that I assume was agreed at the very beginning and certainly in Everett seemed to suggest that was the case when, when he came in that the, the price had been agreed I think there may have been a little bit of wiggle room on that whether that had anything to do with the fact his season finished early because of injury whether that's because Fulham got promotion to the Premier League not sure as it stands but I think there was a little bit of wiggle room on that I'm led to believe that that bit is done now that they have they have agreed what it will take and that we're down to just sorting things out with him now. I think we're talking about personal terms and all that kind of stuff. We are at the time of year, of course, that footballers like to get away on holiday and these things don't happen as quickly as we all want them to. It doesn't necessarily mean that five o'clock every Friday we're going to have a signing announcement, by the way. Um, there seems to have been this kind of like Pavlov-esque five o'clock, the bell rings and, and Bolton Wanderers fans are all salivating, waiting for a, for a signing to be made. Um, it's not going to work like that, I don't think, necessarily. Uh, but uh, I think Fossey will be a Bolton Wanderers player. I'm, I'm 95% certain now that he will be a Bolton Wanderers player, um, which is great news because I think he's, uh, he's exactly what everybody needs. He is, yeah. And I've got to say, if the club fancy just switching it up a bit, I mean, 5am in the morning might be a good time, or 2am in the morning to make the announcement. Because I noticed that, he, yeah, I was thinking that like everyone else, 5 o'clock on a Friday, but this was... I had it was three o'clock on a Monday. That really put the cat amongst the pigeons. So if they want to do it even more, just re- just do it in the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> Give me another headline. Uh, well, this is another player that's been linked with Bolton, and I think it, this is going to be probably a case like we've seen many others before, where we just get linked for the rest of the career. Mm. Um, Jordan Rhodes being another one, and uh, we never actually get him. But um, Cole Stockton, he seems every transfer window we are linked with him. Markham are looking to tie him down to a new contract, which, let's face it, they'd be daft not to. So, do Bolton have any chance with this one, or is it just is it just an easy link that always gets made? 
I, I, there certainly has been interest in the past. There's there's no doubt about that. And there, there was with Rhodes in fairness back in the day and, and Miguel Veloso and, uh, mm. you know, all the other, the Leroy Lita, all the other, the classics, the classic links uh, that Bolton Wanderers have had down the years. But yeah, there was definitely interest. I think when Morecambe got him signed up when they first got into League One, I think would have been the, the window of opportunity. Maybe it was a case of looking at uh, Charles at that point or, you know, players like that, Bakayoko, um, when, when in that summer. But once Morecambe got him on that deal and he's still got a year to go now, I think Bolton wouldn't pay top dollar. I think they're smarter than that. At the moment, it looks as if uh, Morecambe are looking for a price similar to the one they got for uh, Sam Lavelle or for uh, Gomez, which is about 500 grand, 600 grand. So I don't think, if if I were Bolton, that I would pay that for him. I think I would possibly chance my arm in January if, if he was still, if his contract's running down and maybe Bolton needed some extra goals or a slightly different approach up front. I think that would make a lot of sense. But... My gut feeling is that this is just a link that people just keep on going back to because Ian Everts never really stamped it out. I think he's always said, you know, for now, we're not, he's not in our, on our immediate radar or, you know, we know a lot about him, but he's, he's always shown some degree of interest. And like I say, that summer, there was definitely a, a sniff around him. But at 28 as well, I don't think there's going to be a long time left for him to, to be a, an obvious target because I think Bolton have made the squad that little bit younger and, and, and more kind of energetic. So I think maybe if it doesn't happen January, it won't happen at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's, it's an, when you look at it on paper, it's a no-brainer. But then when you look at the stuff around it, you think, well, he's only really done it for one club, which I know... Um, harsh thing to say but he is 28 and he signed for Markham for a reason when he was whatever 25 26 you look and think if we're hoping to get into the championship for next season is he going to suit the championship you don't know he's not played at that level really so mm. uh yeah it's a, it, it is a it is a one where you think for 500 grand it's probably not worth it but yeah in january if we just need that extra bit of a push if he got us promoted and we had to pay this, a similar amount to what we paid for Dion Charles, then that three hundred grand is probably going to be worth it if he gets the championship, even if he doesn't work out in the championship. So, yeah, it's um, it's a tough one really with that one. And uh, um, but yeah, as we said, Markham would, would be daft not to tie him down, and and they'd be also daft not to put a minimum release clause in the contract of about ninety million. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Leo Messi, for Christ's sake. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's a good player. He's a good player. I think he's done well at Morecambe. And, but I, personally, I, I look at him, if you're comparing anybody in the Bolton squad, I suppose Bakayoko is the one. And for me, mm. I would rather have Bakayoko in my squad. I really would. Mm. I think he's suited the style. And I think I think it would be an either-or thing. I think if, if Bakayoko... For example, doesn't start score, doesn't score goals at the start of next season. If he's coming up to December, he's only got a few behind him. Then fine, I think you've got to say right. Well, we need to switch out for somebody like that. But I think the way that Backer finished last season makes me think, yeah, that there's no real reason for getting in another target man type. Or, or I know he's not a target man, Bakayoko, but somebody with that phys physique. And I, I just don't see that happening. I think if they're going to sign a striker this summer, it will be somebody younger and pacier. 
So that's where that's where my money is at the moment. I reckon if if Bolton are going to sign, and I think they will sign a striker or somebody to to play in that front three, I think it will be pace that they're looking to add. Um, well, speaking of uh, pace, uh, Dapolafalayan, thank you. Uh, he has said that he wants to play in the Championship and Premier League, and all our hearts stopped going. No, Dapo, stick with us. But he has said that uh, he would uh, love to do it with Bolton. So he's saying all the right things. Is Dapo? Well, do you know what? I think I think the speculations peed him off a little bit. I think that's that's the long and the short of it. I, I've had a couple of conversations with him, and he's you know he's he's a little bit kind of like, well, where's this coming from? And and and. As I said to Dapo, and he, he will be able to back me up on this, you can't stop people watching you. If you know, if 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 clubs are interested and clubs are, are interested to see who's this lad that's come from West Ham, he's scoring all these goals out of nowhere. He's leading all these you know tables of dribbling and and progressive passing and all that, all the all the modern stuff. Then of course you're going to have people queuing around the block, and of course there's going to be little little snippets that come out to say that X, Y, and Z have been watching you. But it doesn't mean that it's it's necessarily testing his commitment to the club. And I think by saying this, I think he's underlined that he's very much on board as being a Bolton Wanderers player. And I think anybody that knows him knows that was never in question. Really, he's just you know he's he's a lad that's trying to make his way and trying to carve a a good path for himself and he feels like Bolton are able to match him with that as well the fans get him the fans love him he loves being here there's loads to recommend about being a Bolton Wanderers player at the minute and i think he sees around him they're building a squad that's on par you know they they're not bringing in journeymen or they're not bringing in squad fillers i think they're trying to as we mentioned before with Iredale they're trying to level up all sorts of positions so um, yeah, I think you know he wants to be a Championship player with Bolton, a Premier League player with Bolton, and uh, you know all power to his elbow. Yeah, and I think Dapo seems like a clever lad. I remember that um, that interview he did with that uh, podcast. His name escapes me um, a few months ago, where he was he spoke so highly of the club and his journey to Bolton. And I think yeah, he's. He, you know, I think sometimes players um, can get a bit overexcited and believe their own hype a little bit. And and he is a confident guy, but I think deep down he knows that, say, a Premier League club came in for him now, it's probably a bit too soon. He's 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 only what twenty four, so he's got probably a career of eleven years left, twelve years left. So um, yeah, there's plenty for him to. There's plenty of time for him. In, you know, if he has another good season with Bolton, and it's the same with Santos, for example, mm. yeah, if, it, if we don't get promoted next year, then the, the move might come to the Championship and he's got a year's more experience. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I, I, I'm, I'm confident he'll be with us next year and, um, and I'm, I'm excited to see him another year of him. Yeah, and we've said that it's going to be one of those summers, I think. There's, there's going to be names thrown in there so-and-so looking at Santos, so-and-so looking at Afalayan. Well, show us your money. If, and, and I don't think... I think somebody tweeted me the other day, and, and Al Nixon might well have been talking about it, about the economy at championship level at the moment. And he makes a very good point that there's not a lot of money at the moment. I think a lot of teams are struggling. And the it seems to have changed slightly there. I think a few of the smaller clubs, the, the better-run clubs, the Luton Towns, for example, they're, they're finding a way of getting up there now, not because they're spending loads and loads of money, it's just because they're shopping very smart. And the days of mm. lots and lots of money being thrown around in that division, 
because of all the the restrictions and because of the you know the big gambles and all that it really is it's it's slowing down a lot you're not seeing too many fees at that level so where where are they to go you know where are the Apple Lions or the Santoses to go if they're going to be big big money i don't think there's that much up there yeah exactly and if you go into a team in the championship that's struggling um you'll be back in league 1 soon enough mm. So you might as well have another season and come up with Bolton. And yeah, if you Bolton struggle, then um, try and do enough in the Championship to get a move. But if you make that move and it doesn't work out, then no other Championship club's going to do it. Um, so yeah, good to good to hear him talk like that. Um, another Bolton striker that's been talking well of the club this week is Bod Farson. He said it's so far his best spell of his career, which after, what, four or five, six months is quite the statement to make. Especially as was he, he was in the was he in the Iceland squad that was in the Euros? Or? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, he's played yeah. Euros so, World Cup. <laughs> yeah, quite the comment. But um, and we also discovered he shops at Tesco as well. That's the that's the bit that gets me. I love that. I remember Chung Young Lee really absolutely marvelling over the idea of a club card. He was uh, <laughs> he couldn't believe the, uh, the 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 idea behind a club card. The more you shop, the more you get. He <laughs> loved it. Anyway, um, I'm sure Bob Varson's got a club card. They're not as good nowadays, though, by the way, uh, as they used to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bob Varson doesn't shop at Iceland. He shops at Tesco. <laughs> let's let's make that perfectly <laughs> apparent. Um, I mean, some of the some of the stuff in Iceland is like. You, you're thankful that he doesn't shop in Iceland because he'd be about 20 stone. <laughs> That's why I shop in Iceland. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to Iceland Me yesterday, too. for Christ's sake. Anyway, um, yeah, Bod Varsen, uh, I, I mean, he gets it, doesn't he? I think I get the feeling that he's spoken to a lot of lads that have been here before. Uh, the Goodneys, the Steinsons, uh, you know, and the Icelanders have always had some link. We don't know quite chemically how it works, but they very rarely do badly in Bolton. Uh, Good Johnson mm. being a bit another one, obviously. Um, something about their makeup just kind of it gets it ticks the boxes, and and they seem to be very settled here. I know uh, he's got a house very close to the stadium. His family's really happy as well. It's been a great start. Now, can that last forever? I hope it does. I really do. There will be tougher times, of course, but I think he's he's got enough goodwill in the bank now to uh, to feel quite nice and comfortable and to be able to say something like that and say, yeah, this is this is as good as good as I've felt. I hope it carries on because he's been class. He's he's looked a class above since he came to Bolton for me. Yeah, and his goals have been great. You know, his finishes. I think it was the one against Accrington, the one on the turn against Fleetwood. Um, They've been really top class finishes, and and if we can take that into next season, and his form continues, he's he could be a difference maker. He just he does look a class above, which is funny, really, because you you think back to what Millwall fans they were they couldn't wait to get rid of him, mm. and now he signed for Bolton in in League One, and he's he's smashed it, and uh, yeah, he's he's played very well. He's he's uh, he's got an, a good all round game, and yeah, you, I mean, it just we're talking some of the players we're talking about here: Dapo, Bod Varson. You know, Dion Charles, Bakayoko. We've got a really competitive squad, which for the is for the first time in years. Yeah, yeah. Give us another headline then, Henry. Um, so this was a bit of a sad one this week. Club legend Sid Farriman sadly passed away. He was eighty-one. Um, I've seen some of the uh, some fans commenting on 
what it was like to watch him and uh, and you've obviously done bits about it as well. So, a real club legend. Yeah, a, a stalwart. I think he stepped into Tommy Banks' boots, which must have been quite quite the, the feat back in the day in, in the early 60s because Tommy obviously had been at the very, very top of the game with Bolton. Um, so, he played as a, as a left-back with, with Hartle a lot of the time on the right-hand side in his early days as well. Um, and from what people tell me about him... Uh, a tough tackling defender, um, but a very, very pleasant bloke off the pitch. And, and certainly I, I've got to speak to him quite a number of times um, very early on when, when I started at Bolton. He used to work at the stadium and, and do a bit of the hospitality stuff. Um, we've seen him in action as well at the Sporting Memories because I think he got diagnosed with dementia and I think he was quite open and, and wanted to help people. And, and, and he used to bring in mm. stuff to those Sporting Memories things and, and talk about his his early days and, and what it was like being a, a player in the in the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, a, a cracking career and... Speaking to some of his ex-teammates, Ian Seddon and, and Dave Hatton this week, they were uh, they were full of full of great tales. Some of them I can't print. Some of them I can't print. It. <laughs> Put it this way, you know, football back then it was. They talk about characters in the game nowadays, but just the more stories you hear of of the players of that day, it just it warms your heart really to to listen to to how normal things were and what, what sort of regular guys they were because uh, the game has changed so much. Um, but Sid will be sadly missed. And um, yeah, I'm sure any Bolton fan that watched him play more than 400 times for the club will, will echo that. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, I mean, that, just that comment there, that shows how much things have changed because I think it's going to be a long time before we see a Bolton player who's played over 400 times for the club. And mm. um yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, no, it's sad. It's very sad, and, and as we've seen over the last few years, I think a few, quite a few of these players from this era are sadly passing on, and these are the, the really the, well, they're the last Bolton team to. Uh, I know Fireman was the, after it, but um, you know these type of players from these eras, they're the last Bolton team to have won a major trophy. So yeah, it is very sad. Just, um, just wondering, actually, who is who is the Bolton player who has played the most now? As in, who would you guess has has played the most Bolton Wanderers games? Uh, what? Who's who's alive? Or ever? no, no, no. As in, in, in the current squad, who's played the most Bolton Wanderers? Oh, games? right. <laughs> um, God, that's uh, you'd have to be probably looking at like I don't know Santos, maybe or yeah, someone who's it's basically who's played the most over the last two years, isn't it? Well, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, Alex Baptiste had played 102. So, of obviously, course. obviously, he's yeah. now he's now left. But Ricardo Santos has played 91. So, yeah, Rico has actually played the most. Gethin Jones has played 73, four. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's Rico on 90. So he's he's got another you know six years probably at playing every game of the season uh, to to match somebody like Sid. It's incredible, really. Yeah, and just think that back in Sid Farman's days, that the, there was no Papa John's Trophy, there was no League Cup, really. You know, so he's played all them games. It would have, it, well, it took him what thirteen, fourteen years, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that says everything as well. Um, right now, the last story of this week, and um, an old favourite on the book. Well, I say favourite loosely. Uh, Keith Hill <laughs> is, uh, is, is in the news again. Um, of course, we we know what happened in league, on the last game of League Two last uh, 
last week. Um, and if we thought there was drama when we got promoted, we'd seen, we've seen nothing compared to what happened last week. Um, and yeah, Keith, so Keith Hill's uh, Scunthorpe tied basically needed to avoid losing by five goals to stop Bristol Rovers going up. They lost 7 0. So uh, uh, a bad end to a bad season. But Keith Hill has come out this week and he mentioned Bolton. He said he's been thrown under the bus at his last few clubs, especially at Bolton. Do you do you agree with those comments? Are, are we, as a fan base, are we too harsh on Keith Hill? Well, this is a this is a big debate, isn't it? I think we could have it long. We could use up the rest of this podcast on it, but I, I refuse to do so at the moment. Well, we may do one in the future. It was a very difficult time. I think everybody appreciates that when Keith Hill and David Flickcroft came to the club a day after, you know, a week after, rather, the, the, the club had been bought out of administration, it was an absolute nightmare. There was nothing left to, to build on. They had to do everything very quickly. And so I think it, it kind of, it was inevitable they were going to get relegated and nobody knew what was on the horizon as far as the pandemic. So in a sense, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Had he come along a different time, had he swapped places with the Inevit, then maybe you know he'd be the one that was getting his name cheered in the stands now. Who knows? Um, but I think over that time and over the time where he had to just keep the fires burning, just you know, just just go along with things. I think some of the things he said, the being Keith Hill rubbed people up the wrong way. That was the problem, and mm. it's saying things like this, exactly this. That was the problem, um, and you know my opinion is you can't really judge the guy on being himself. You know, it, it, I think he, if if he didn't want somebody who was going to shoot from the hip every once in a while, then probably wasn't the right appointment. And I think that's possibly on the owners of the football club at the time, albeit obviously it was a, a rush decision. But I think you know saying things like this doesn't help anybody. I I, I think throwing thrown under a bus is is definitely the wrong term. He was just not the guy they wanted to go forward i think they they had a, a vision of the club and saw in the what was it nine months or so he was in charge that he wasn't the vision they had for the next manager and they moved in for free and ever that was that was that really um you know i think it'd be a very different bolton today if keith hill was in charge yeah exactly i think it was more of a stop gap it was more i mean i think the, the club came out actually and said that the reason the main reason behind it was he he came into the interview um, and uh, and said, right, I can get us these players by tomorrow or whenever it was. And they had to rebuild the squad. Whereas Kevin Nolan, if he'd have come in, then we we don't know where we would have been because would we have had uh, those players coming in? But um, yeah, I think it all, it all fit together as well with the sort of one community, kind of one town ethos that the club's got. You know, him and David Flickcroft were, were Bolton lads. So, um, so yeah, it was... It it could have been it could have been great and it could have been the the one town kind of thing, but it didn't work out. But uh, I mean, this is it, the irony is is that I don't think Ian ever. I think so. You know, he's not necessarily in the mode of uh, Keith Hill, but he is that kind of outspoken manager. I'm sure if it all went wrong with Bolton, uh, Ian Everett would eventually say something about his time here as well. So it is I- ironic that it, it is literally based on how you do on the pitch. Ian Everett's got a promotion and ninth place in League One under his belt, yet Keith Hill hasn't. Fair point, well put. I can't argue with that. Um, right, well, I mean, we've we've vented our spleen a bit there, but I, I think it's time to do it all over again. A uh, bit of all right or Barry Knight? 
I'm going to go first this week because uh, I want to get something off my chest. I want to get a Barry Knight off my chest, if you will, which is a horrible, horrible vision, if you think about it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I'm not, not going to think about it. Um, so the, the, what I wanted to say this week, my, my Barry Knight this week, and if you watch me on Twitter this week, you, you, you will know what is coming. Um, it's, it's people who steal photos without permission online, and especially transfer accounts which steal photos. So I know, I know there'll be people out there that's kind of screwing up the face and say, does it really matter? Um, but honestly, it does, because photography is a job and people get paid to do, you know, quality uh, photography. You get paid for a job. Uh, I get paid to write words. Um, and, you know, a milkman gets paid to deliver bottles of milk. We don't then think, oh, well, I'm just going to give them away for free. That's, that's not the way that uh, employment works or else otherwise everybody's out of a job because everything's free uh, but it seems to be like that culture seems to have developed online where people feel that everything is free and to a degree i think that's been allowed to happen and i think sometimes it's forgotten that people work hard to get those images in the first place and they pay for them as well i mean as a newspaper we spend a lot of money getting really good pictures of bolt wonders because it does our coverage good um, i know the club do exactly the same and it's impossible to police it and, and I, I get that and i, I know that um, I'm not. I'm not stupid. <laughs> it's impossible to kind of uh, to go go back and track every single one. But actually, it's not. It's not impossible to find out if you've copied um, a photo. Um, and I think if I was running a Twitter account that was doing transfer stuff and all that sort of stuff, I'd, I'd just be very, very careful with things like that because if you're regularly doing it, then somewhere down the line, I'd expect somebody to call you out on it, and it may well cost you money. Is what I would say. If you're an account that's getting lots of retweets and that's getting lots of visibility, then just make yourself aware of what the copyright laws are um, and don't just Google Liam Gordon Bolton and the first image you get, screen grab it and then put it out on your, your account because it will come and bite you in the bum. <laughs> I'm telling you, um, as a newspaper, you know, we've we've had lots of examples in the past where, you know, you've you've had not had a story to go, a picture to go with your story. And in the, you know, before all this came about, we, we often sort of grabbed onto the Internet and, you know, grabbed, grabbed a picture. And actually what happens is that eventually these agencies that process these pictures find them out. And then they come and they say, well, that's 50 quid for that picture. And it becomes a very expensive and annoying exercise. So I would just say that if anybody, whether you've got an individual account, whether you've got a transfer account, whether you're doing anything, just make yourself aware of what you can and can't do. You know, I'm happy to offer any advice on that front. And also, at the very least, credit any, anything you take. Because at least then you might just get away with, with not having a bill land on your doorstep at some stage. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good point, isn't it? And uh, you know, of course, it's and you see, there's a lot of Twitter accounts now that uh, you know are about Bolton Wanderers or people make about Bolton Wanderers. And yeah, you want to get the likes and retweets. Of course, you do. You want to become famous amongst Bolton fans, but um, you know, you have got to think about what you know how you're putting stuff out there, like. I see there's an, there was a, a person that put out a, basically a graphic that someone had made. I think it was a, a like a football league, sort of a generalised football league Twitter account. Yeah. Had made a graphic and it was like the top five att average attendances uh, in each league. And this person has just basically, it, it's even got a watermark of the, mm. the 
quote the page that made it and they've just put it out and they've got all these comments and retweets of other teams as well and it's like well you it's you're stealing content you know like you've not even tagged them in it and gone oh this is this is great what this quote done what do you think or uh, proof that Bolton's massive or whatever you want to say it's like you know you've just somebody's spent so long doing that somebody would have spent a, a good hour or so getting all the badges together all the 10 you know average attendances or whatever they put it out and somebody just steals it and it's mm. like it's it's not i don't know it's not fair it's uh I, but again it's you know i'm sure the people that do it would would turn around and argue well it's online it's fair game so that's that's the problem though henry though that, that it's is it is it fair game because it's online i don't i don't understand that i mean if it's if it's online and, and you're paying for it i mean we've got stuff that's behind our paywall um you know if people were to go behind the paywall and then co- copy it and put it elsewhere then we've got you know legal recourse to either make them take it down or or you know obviously punish the people that, that print it um so I mean, it's the wild west of social media. That's the, the the problem being is that it has been allowed to happen, and there is no problem that you can't report something like that on Twitter because otherwise, that's all Twitter would be doing. But there has there, I think there will be eventually uh, uh, some deterrent against that sort of thing. I'm just, I just think it's something for people to bear in mind more than anything else. That it's 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 almost polite just to say, hey, you know, quote the retweet or quote the tweet rather, and say, hey, this, you know, bolt the massive look at these attendances. Or, or just put an at in and just say, hey, you know, uh, lad Bible or whatever else has done this. Um, you know, it, it just, it's just politeness, surely. It's when it's blatant. I think that's the mm. the biggest thing. When it has got a watermark on it or when it is clearly like somebody has already tweeted it. But, you know, there's there's a few accounts that do it. There's, a, there's one account or one person in particular that's famous amongst Bolton fans for uh, being on YouTube and he does it a lot so it's when it's uh, at that level it's yeah but anyway back off uh, back off uh, my soap well your soapbox for now I'll get on mine get off my soapbox now I'm gonna I I tell you what you've done the the Barry night I'll do the alright this week and my alright is actually uh, is the fact that Bolton yet again as we've seen in the last couple of transfer windows are getting the business done early. Gone are the days of you having about four packets of biscuits as we and transfer deadline day as we go through about five transfers in and four out. Um, and it just, it's good to see because the Iredale deal, the Fossey rumours and other rumours that are coming out, it's it shows we've got a plan. And for years as a football club, that's all we wanted was just to show that we had a plan of, we had an idea of what we were doing and I think um, to see that we've the playoffs aren't even finished and we've made a signing already. So that's that doesn't happen based on a oh I Cambridge have, have announced that Idale's out of contract. We'll have a chat with him in a few days later. That's a mm-hmm. few weeks or months down the line. Same with uh, planning with Fossey and these loan players we bring in. It's um, even Amici it didn't work out, but I'm sure there was a plan there in case it did to sign him up. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 good to see, and fair play to the manager, and fair play to Chris Markham as well, because um, the fact that we have got a plan of what we want to do, and these players are, as as Ian Everett would put it, we know a lot about them, these players, um, before we sign them. It just shows that yeah, the plan's there, and and that's why I'm confident we'll we're gonna have a successful period. 
comes from recruitment, uh, investment in recruitment. That's the thing. And what that means has changed probably quite a bit. And there's still, I would say, a, a sizable portion of fans, certainly the older fans that would say that, you know, a, a man in the stands and uh, is better than a guy, two guys behind a computer crunching stats. You know, it's the modern way. I don't think it, that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, but it's certainly the way that Bolton do it. But they've invested in those guys. There's a big analysis team now behind Chris Markham who look at players and, and uh, hone what they're good at, what they're not good at, whether they're going to fit in Bolton's system, how they want to play. And the fact that they've got that defined kind of parameter as to this is how Bolton play, now find me players that can can fit into it, is something that wouldn't have necessarily applied for, let's say, Phil Parkinson. Because Phil Parkinson had to live hand-to-mouth and this, the, the style of play wasn't as defined. Um, it's same for Neil Lennon or uh, Dougie Freeman to a degree. I think Dougie was slightly more structured than, than many of, of the, the player, uh, managers that have been around, but even Coyley. Um, Bolton haven't had that. They've, they've lived kind of that way, haven't they? They've been reactive in the transfer market and it's good to see that it is getting back towards... Allardyce being the prime example, of course, he has a massive backroom staff that did all this stuff and, and, and looked at players and said exactly what they were good at and what they weren't good at. Um, getting back to that 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 scientific approach um, is is good to see, I have to say. Right, I know you've said you, you're going to do the all right this week, but I'm just going to make a very quick mention of a tweet sent out by Bolton Wanderers in the community. Because uh, I think it's absolutely spot on. It's from their well-being engagement officer, Sarah, and she's given six tips to improve your mental health. So I said I'd read them out. Okay, so it's six tips, Emery, to improve your mental health while the football's not on. Um, exercise where you can. You prioritise rest and sleep. You seek family support. You maintain routine. You control what you can and you stay nourished. And that doesn't mean forget your treats. And honestly, hmm. I looked at that tweet on Wednesday and I thought, why don't I do more of that? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I played five aside last night for the first time in years. And I've got to say, as as good as it is, the way my muscles are aching today, <laughs> oof, I wouldn't recommend too much of that um, exercise. But no, jokes aside, yeah, that does a, a very good point. And I think this is... You know, modern world, we are more open with our mental health, and, and which is great. And um, yeah, I think if you are struggling with anything, I think if you, um, you know, if you take those points on board, or or it could be other points that you that you feel makes you puts you in a better place, then yeah, definitely, uh, definitely do them. Yeah, I appreciate the kind of the contents more this morning uh, than the buff. But uh, I wanted to get that out there. Mm. You're right. You're right. I think you've got to look after yourself. And um, while the football's not there, then you, uh, you've you got a chance. It's a bit more time. So uh, get out there and, and get it done. Um, right. OK, the rest of this show is going to be devoted to the 10th anniversary of Bolton Wanderers slipping out of the Premier League. Um, but I'm just going to slip in a little bit of correspondence. Cue the jingle. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails actually. Uh, this 
one is just basically a confidence booster for me and Henry, so it might just get us in the mood uh, for the rest of the show. Mm. Uh, Mark and Henry, thanks very much uh, for your efforts this season on the buff. You guys are definitely in the top of the BWFC Podcast League, and as a lifelong Wanderers fan of 60-plus years, is counting, I should know. Uh, my family have been Wanderers fans for over 100 years. I left Bolton as a six-year-old in 1962 and have moved around the country, briefly returning to Horwich in 77, then moving on five years later. I now live in Weatherby in Yorkshire, lovely neck of the woods. Um, which compared to the last 60 years is just around the corner. He says, um, it's great to be part of a community like BWFC and I tell my friends I've got an incurable condition, Bolton Wanderers-itis, the symptoms of Mm. which are both forms of PMT, which is pre-match tension and pre-match trauma. Um, with occasional bouts of euphoria, which, by the way, is a really good series. I was, I've been watching that. It's uh, well worth watching. <laughs> um, mm. Just going to drop that in there. TV recommendations on this week's buff as well. Um, I saw my first mm. live Wanderers game in 1966 on the 28th of August, 3-1 against Derby County. Spam roll and Vimto from the T-bar under the Burnden Terrace. Ooh. You cannot be... A spam Sorry. roll and Vimto. I... Oh, that sounds lovely, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about nutrition. Bring, yeah, bring spam back at football. <laughs> um, the team that day, and this ties in, uh, includes some Wanderers legends. Hopkinson, Cooper, Farrimond, God bless him, Rimmer, Napier, Hatton, Lee, Bromley, Davis, Win Davis, uh, Freddie Hill yeah. and Gordon Taylor. The sub is Beach. Uh, sad news this week that Sid Farrimond passed away. I spent my youth hoping to be as hard a fullback as he was. So the season ticket is sorted for next season. Let's hope we have a good one. Regards, Ian. Thank you very much for your email, Ian. Um, right, okay. That's, I, I wanted to slip that one in because it was nice. It was nice of him to take the time to uh, to give us a couple of email uh, memories, rather, um, and to mention mm-hmm. spam as well. <laughs> yeah. Ten years ago, Bolt Wanderers dropped out of the Premier League. You'll remember it, but if you don't, here's a few clips. Uh, after the madness at the Etihad, that defeat for QPR uh, meant that should Bolton win at Stoke, they would stay up. Anything less, and they would be relegated. Be relegated. Be relegated. Be relegated. Alan Coyle says it's Bolton's Champions League final. They have to win, and with 11 players out of contract this summer, the club's long-term future is also at stake. Eddington reeling inside. Waters all alone, and Bogdan bundled over. Oh, the goal stands. Crouch. Here's Jerome, into the box, Crouch, splendid save, Crouch again, Bogdan has fouled him, it's a penalty! Bolton Wanderers, Premier League existence, could be slipping away. Here's Jonathan Walters for Stoke City, 14 minutes to go. Stoke 2, Bolton 2. The whistle of Chris Foy ends 11 years of Premier League football for Bolton Wanderers. Applause from the fans who dared to believe until so very late. But it's second tier football for Bolton Wanderers next season. Adversity, that's when you've got to stand up and be counted and look to bounce back and do it quickly. And that's what we have to do, we have to come back at the first attempt, which we're more than capable of doing. The clip's there, courtesy of BBC's Match of the Day. The 2011-2012 season was near enough the perfect storm of problems for Bolton Wanderers. Recruitment was proved to be poor. The club had been wobbling since the FA Cup semi-final, took the sheen off Owen Coyle's bright white smile 
and had people questioning his tactical acumen. We'd lost Stuart Holden at Manchester United, but even more injuries stacked up thereafter. And then there was that fateful night at White Hart Lane. I mean, I think it's impossible to point your finger at one thing and say that's why Bolt Wanderers went down or he was to blame. But I think also if you list off all the excuses that are made uh, and, and it kind of masks over what could have been done and the moments that just weren't good enough, weren't Premier League class. So I think I'm looking to write a series of features at the Bolt News based on the 10 years which have passed between dropping out of the Premier League and where we stand today. Um, and that will be available pretty soon for the uh, premium subscribers and, of course, the, the people that, that buy the printed paper as well. So before I bring you on to it, Henry, I'm going to just read out an email from Paul um, because we did ask people to, to air their views. So, uh, hi, Mark and Henry. The refining moment was simply the summer of 2011. Appalling recruitment. The likes of Ngog, Eagles and Mears were simply not good enough. Ngog could in no way place the goals we had lost when Sturridge left. To add further insult to injury, we then sold Gary Cale in January 2012. So not only did we not score, rather, we sold our best defender. And in that 12-month period, Owen Coyle made us into a championship team. We were simply not good enough. Keep up the excellent work over the summer months. That's from Paul. Right, so we're looking back at that year and where it went wrong. But do we go back to the first summer? Did, did Before any football was kicked, had... Bolton already weakened themselves to the point that they were never going to stay up? Yeah, possibly. I think you look at the signings that come in and, yeah, they were probably uh, championship quality. Um, you know, I think Eagles was a, ended up being quite a decent player for us, especially in the championship. But in that first year in the Premier League, for well, first year, last year in the Premier League, I should say. But, um, yeah, you do question whether he was the right player for us. Um, I think, the, because you bear in mind the Holden and Chung Yun Lee uh, injuries, I think um, that obviously didn't help because they would walk into that side. And then, yeah, they just didn't get replaced. Um, so, it was a, I think it was a cocktail of, of things, really. We, you know, we, we weren't in a position where we were going to spend money at that point, we, you know, the Ngog signing for, is it like three million maybe? We might have spent five, maybe six million in total when you're competing with the, you know, two teams in the Premier League, but we're spending twice, three times as much as that, even at the bottom of the league. Because mm. you got to remember, we went down to QPR, who QPR were throwing money at it, and they only just survived. So, um, yeah, I think it was a, uh, just a cocktail of things. You also look at the start we made as well. We we had a very difficult start. We played, if you look at the top six, I think we played five of them in the first six games. Mm. So we got the win at QPR and then lost the next five. So, yeah, he just started on the back foot, really. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think it was a mixture of things. Well, do you, What about you? Do you have a, a pinpoint sort of reason why it didn't work out that year? Well, I'm looking at recruitment first. I mean, as I say, this this... There, there are far too many individual elements. It, it is a cocktail, as you say. But if you look at the recruitment, so the the summer of two thousand and eleven, Bolton have allowed uh, several players to go: uh, Jalen Samuel, Joey O'Brien, Tamir Cohen, Yoan Almander, obviously on a free transfer to Galatasaray, which did sting them a lot. I have to say, the way that that happened. Mm. 
Um, Sam Sheridan, I remember him. Um, Ali Al Habsi went to Wigan, of course, for, for a decent fee. Uh, Danny Ward went to Huddersfield for a million pounds. Matt Taylor went for 500 grand to West Ham. Um, so they've got rid of a fair amount of experience there. Um, and they brought in Darren Prattley, who'd never played in the Premier League at that stage. Uh, Nigel Rio Coker, who's quite experienced. Uh, Chris Eagles from Burnley and Tyrone Mears, who got injured very early on, of course, Mears. Uh, that was three million quid. Davin and Gog, I think you're right. I think it was 3.5 that they spent on him. Would have been more expensive this season before. Coyle wanted to sign him earlier for twice as much. Um, so they were, the, they were the five that got brought in. Prattley, Rio Coker, Eagles, Mears and Gog. And I would agree that in hindsight, none of them were good enough. Rio Coker, I think, had a reasonable season but never quite looked... I certainly never got on with the, the rest of the squad, in my opinion. It's a stuck out bit, it's like a sore thumb, really. Yeah, I think Wheatus said in interviews, Annie, that he didn't really click with him. So, you really, you failed, you've not got yourself off on a great foot. However, the first game of that season... Oh, by the way, and also, I should add, they, they got some uh, loanees as well, of course. Tunshai, Boyata, uh, Kakuta. That's in the summer. Three players who did the approximation of zero in a Bolton shirt. They that that is dreadful compared to the the loans. Now I know they kept on going back to that same well. You know they'd done Wilshire, they'd done uh, Sturridge, and they you know done quite well out of the loans at that stage. Um, but Vladimir Weiss has been okay, I suppose. But mm. I think they went back and thought they could do that every single time. Tunchai, you may you may well. I mean, failed to remember a single thing he did in a Bolton shirt, but he was quite a big name at that time. They they honestly thought that Tunchai was going to make a massive difference, and he never did a sausage. So they've gone off a bad bad start. They've won that first game against QPR four 0 and I actually reread my match report the other day for that one. We generally thought that Bolton were off on a new dawn, or I did at least. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking this is going to be fantastic. You know, this is, you know, all sweetness and light. Everything's looking great. And the way they played that day, very much caught up in the emotion, I should imagine. But it was, it was tremendous. They looked absolutely magnificent that day against QPR. And then one, two, three, four, five, six straight defeats later. Um, as you say, they played against a lot of the good clubs, but then they went and beat Wigan the 3 1 as well. Um, Eagles and Ngog scoring over there as well. They, a couple of games later, they beat Stoke City 5-0. So there were there were still little flashes in this team that they were very, very good, or they could have been very, very good. But I think what happened was that the, the, the confidence gradually just got beat out of them. And they got themselves in a, in a... I mean, you look at the second half of the season, the form's actually not bad. But they just got into such a horrible losing habit before they could do anything again in the January um, that it was it was almost too late. They they weren't equipped to be a team battling at the bottom of the table by that point. Hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But you look at the players they've brought in, and and as I said, Eagles was and I guess Prattley did did he stayed for a while and did well for us, uh, all things considering. But I think yeah, none of those players you're looking at and thinking that was a an astute signing. It was uh, it was poor, and um, yeah, as you said, we we picked up the odd win. But I think you know heading towards Christmas, we'd we you know we'd got that win against Blackburn just before Christmas. But it was still we were we were near the bottom throughout. It seemed to be us Wolves, 
Blackburn and QPR and um, QPR just stayed up. And you've got to remember as well, we were actually, we in the, the last home game of the season when we were 2-0 up against West Brom and then Kyle brings Chungi on because he's not played all season and then he loses his marker and they equalise in the last minute. Um, yeah, it was just it's stuff like that. Then, you know, the Moamba thing and... Holden and Chungi being out for the it just it seemed that everything Bolton did that season. The only bit of luck we had was the QPR game at home when the I think it was Clint Hill's header went behind the line. Other than that, it was just it was a very unlucky season that um that of the and even even as well the the how it ended with uh Stoke the Stoke game. City win the, you know, we know what's happened with Man City when Aguero scored, but <laughs> I was at that game and QPR are winning 2-1 at Man City with uh, five minutes to go. We're not staying up, so you just feel deflated. And then you get out of the stadium and find out, oh, City, so if City had won 3-2, but we've been 3 nil up after 20 minutes, I'm sure Bolton's mentality would, might have been a bit different towards the end. But it's just everything that could have gone wrong that season did. So we asked some of the Twitter, the Twitterati to to put into their two Pennythworth um, and, and where it went wrong. So Lion Vienna Suite picked out a few important points. Couldn't replace the, the goals of Sturridge and Elmander. That's a fair point. I don't think there's a, a striker in that. And don't forget, they spent three, three million plus on Marvin Sordell in the January, mm. which was the most ridiculous signing really to make, expecting him to hit the ground running. And then they didn't play him as well. They didn't really even give no. him a chance to score those goals. It was just a, a crazy bit of business. Rather than bringing in somebody short-term who could have fixed that, um, they point out Chungi's injury against Newport and Holden. The injuries definitely did. And they, they rushed Holden back as well. If you remember, he played against Aston Villa in the League Cup and then broke down after that because he, he'd come back too soon. I think he's talked about that in the past, that yeah. had he just just worked a little bit harder, things may have been different um, and, and just stayed and been a bit more patient. You can't do anything about what happened with Fabrice at, at White Hart Lane. But the... The kind of the mental effect on the squad, you had that little bit of a rush afterwards when they beat Blackburn at, at home um, and, and looked for just a very short time like it might just be the kind of a motivation. But I think really the, the physical, the mental kind of, it became a mental crutch, I think, for the team. I think the, the bad luck was being talked about so much by that point in time that even if it wasn't true... That's what they were They were saying. It's like, oh, we were down here because of bad luck. You weren't. You were down there because you played terribly in the first half of the season. Um, and a few a few people here, um, I think Matt Clough, who's a very level-headed lad, he said, very, felt very strongly, we should have let Coyle go post-relegation. Yes, he'd had a tremendous start, but for things to deteriorate so quickly suggested it was terminal. Can't think of many managers who's had success and then it go wrong and then turn it around again. I would argue that if they'd have made that short-term change, even in that season, that could have that could have been different. Um, whether whether or not they should have done it post-relegation, I suppose that's a slightly different argument. Maybe when we we have a, a talk about next week and and say what happened to that 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 season. But uh, Chris Merrill says it all started with the Chungi injury, questionable signings, um, and then the decisions in that final game. It did boil down to to a couple of games in the end and that West Brom game kind of 
epitomised the problems that Bolton had had. They were too gung-ho when they didn't need to be. If they'd have wrapped up, I think they went 2-0 up, didn't they, in that game, if uh, if memory serves. Um, oh, wait, got here. Yeah, so it's Petrov scored from the spot. Uh, Billy Jones has scored an own goal. 72 minutes, that is. So you're 2-0 down with 18 minutes to go. And I think that's also the one that Wheater did his knee, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. If if you see that game out as two nil, you go into that final game only needing a point against Stoke. It's a completely different thing, and they got a point. And then Stoke were were pretty much on the beach. They didn't play particularly well, and they got given a few refereeing decisions. We'll debate that in a second. But that West Brom game is where for me it all fell down. It was tactically inept. Yeah, and QPR won in the. They played Stoke, funnily enough, that's next to the last game at home, and they they got a late winner. They won one. I think Cissé scored, but that was in the 90th minute. So we'd gone from. Um, I don't. You'd have to probably look back, but we could have actually been safe thinking about it. If we'd have got a win and, and QPR would have drawn, there's a three point, um, yeah. you know, two point difference. We could have actually been safe, and then it all turned round, and, and suddenly we were in 18th and um yeah it was that for me thinking back because uh we played if what i remember it was i think it was a sunday we played that game because of the if you remember for a period when it was the fa cup final did have five of the game or four of the uh premier league games at saturday lunchtime and then the other four on the sunday uh, to split it up but um yeah you just felt that it was uh that was the game that... Uh, well, then again, you, you do look at the Stoke game and think, well, QPR going to City, they were going to lose that. I mean, it, you know, they nearly won, but they were probably going to lose it. So we had to go and and win and we, we couldn't do it, even though we, we got in, the, we went 2-1 up, didn't we, in that game? It did. So we'll we'll speak a bit about that Stoke game because that was a, a pivotal moment in, in the club's history, really, that you... You're talking about a, a, a game there. They they went two uh, one. Walter scored early on, which was a controversial goal. I think there was a lot of um, a lot of debate as to whether that one should be given. Chris Foy, uh, the referee, won't be able to drink in Bolton again. I don't think it's fair to say. No. Um, it should have been a foul on uh, Bogdan. A lot of people think. Um, whether Adam Bogdan should have been there as well. This is another one that I, I thought about the other night. Is is this is a massive, massive pressured game. And so was West Brom, to be fair. There were a few around that time where Bolton... I think Sunderland was another one. They went to Sunderland and Sunderland weren't playing particularly well. Um, and uh, I'm just like James McLean scored for Sunderland. Good grief. Is that, is that guy Benjamin Button or what? Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so there's three games there. Sunderland, West Brom, Stoke City, all of which you really would have, you know, fancied Bolton. Um where they played Bogdan in goal, you've got Yusias Glanen sat on the bench. I know there were disputes over contracts, and he, you know, he was going to go and link up with Sam again at West Ham and all that kind of thing. But if you're with hindsight, Henry, would you put Yusias Glanen in for that second half of the season? Even, even knowing he's going to, he's going to go, he is infinitely better than Adam Bogdan, and I like Adam Bogdan, but Yussi was a different animal. He was, yeah, but I mean, trying to remember back, I think Yossi had made one or two errors. So I think, I think, to be honest, I think oh, quite a few of the fan base were actually wanting Bogdan in, of what I remember. 
That always happens. Absolutely any if 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 flipping Bod Varson makes a mistake on the first day and then I, I put a tweet out about Finley Lockett, there'll be two or three people saying, I think we should give him a chance. Because yeah, that yeah. always happens. Uh, I think, and show me a rational fan that wouldn't have had Yossi Askelanen in that team. No, exactly. I, I agree with that. And um, I think you, we needed that experience at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was a few fans. I think Yossi was a casualty of that, as I said, the first six games where we lost five and we got beaten heavily. We, we lost five nearly against United, I think. But um, yeah, I think Yossi could have been in there. Um, bearing in mind that we had a couple of the more experienced players who were injured. Um and and yeah, it's again, it's easy with hindsight. And, and looking at Yossi, Yossi was getting on. I think he was in his late thirties at that point, but he still went on. He, he got a promotion season with West Ham. He then played in the Premier League, and then I think went to Wigan and got a promotion season with them out of League One. So he had a few years left in him. Um, and even though there were contract issues, I'm I'm sure deep deep down, even though Sam was in the he would have liked to have played for Sam again. I'm sure he would have, if he were playing, he would have stayed. He was settled. So, yeah. It's, um, it was it was quite strange. I mean, the, the game, we know how it, it panned out. And obviously, Mark Davis scored, didn't he? Leveled it. And then Kevin Davis scored with that kind of like cross type shot. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, oh, you know, luck's in. Uh, it's only going to go one way this and then they got the penalty about 15 minutes before the end Crouch uh, apparently brought down I've watched it a couple of times just this morning bizarrely enough and, and I still can't see how on earth that is a penalty you can't do that I mean that or, or the damage is done by that point in time but if you think about it Tim Ream also had a chance at 2-2 Whereas he puts his foot through it, that goes in. Um, and yeah. he got stopped on the line by, I think Sorensen was in goal for, for Stoke. Um, you know, he could have made himself a real hero there, Tim Ream. I don't think he's ever looked likely to score since, uh, to be fair to him. Um, and, you know, that Aguero moment could mean so much more for Bolton, obviously. Uh, you know, could you imagine being in the ground praying that Manchester City win that game and then he scores with that goal knowing that Bolton have also done the business yeah it would have uh, yeah it was it but then you could argue would have, would that goal have gone in because QPR knew they were up so there's, there's that many knock-on effects to and this is the thing that, that Aguero goal which is is obviously now 10 years since and I'm sure there's going to be uh, shown over and over again in the next few days Um would that have happened? Would that have happened? Is it down to Bolton drawing that that goal actually happened? It's uh, yeah, it's a it's a proper uh, sliding doors moment, really. Where um, you know we've discussed it before on these little moments where how would Bolton have, have done, gone on if we had signed Rivaldo or all of these things? Well, would would City have still won the league if Bolton would have won? So we'll finish on. Well, we'll finish our debate, at least, on one question. Um, Bolton do survive. Tim Ream puts his foot through that, hits it in the top corner, Bolton win 3-2. Bolton do survive. What happens next? Does does Owen Coyle build a team, or have we already seen 
Eddie Davis reigning the budget, and I think Coyley has talked about this very. He doesn't say a lot negative about anything he's, he's done at Dinner Balls and Wanderers, and I do respect him for that. But he he has talked about the budget being reduced in that summer of 2011. Eddie Davis is already potentially looking at moving on and and selling it, selling up. So do Bolton find a way out of the kind of the relegation struggle the next season, or are we just delaying the inevitable? I think we're delaying the inevitable. To be honest, I think uh, if you look at everything, it's not like we're bringing players in from youth. Like you had Josh Vela coming in, but other than that, they weren't many coming in. So it's not like there was a, a process there of bringing them in and selling them on or bringing them in for the first team. I think there is, going off a previous summer, it's not like... To be honest, looking at the players we brought in the summer after we went down, we probably have still brought them in, like some Matt Mills, because that's the way we were going. Um, and, yeah, just... As well, yeah, Chungi coming back might have made a difference, but... Holden, I think the same thing would have still happened with him. He would have come back in little bits, but not quite worked out. So, uh, yeah, personally, I think it was a, you know, the only difference would have been that we'd be doing this conversation next year instead of this year. (laughs) I still think the same would have happened. Right, well, I'll just put a a quick email in, and this might well bring a bit of uh, debate, so do keep the emails coming about 10 years. We will come back to a few things next week, I think, and maybe make this, this spread this one out a little bit. But um, this uh, was a great email we've uh, got from, let me just double check, it's from David. David, thank you very much. Um, hi, both. It dawned on me recently, it's 10 years since that terrible day against Stoke. And inspired by Mark's recent tweet for thoughts on the relegation season um, and uh, previous worst loan 11, I was thinking the best 11 in the 10 years since we dropped out of the Premier League. Um, in order to make it interesting and fairer to those that played in the lower leagues, I've picked out players who I think had good seasons, irrespective of what division they were mm. playing in. Um, I don't think anyone would be able to say that Owen Doyle had a better overall career than Emil Heskey, for example. Equally, I don't think uh, people would argue that Doyle had a bigger impact during his time at BWFC. Um, equally, while Kevin Davis was undoubtedly a Bolton legend, his legacy was built on Premier League games and not the season he had with the Championship, and that was the same with Ida when he returned in 2014. Um, so he's gone three-five-two, and I'll just le- read out the the team and then um, a couple of substitutes, and uh, and then maybe maybe send in your thoughts um, or, or or compose your thoughts after this, Henry. So in goal, he's got Andy Lonergan. He's got a back three, Craig Dawson. David Wheater and Mark Beavers. He's gone midfield five of uh, Felipe Moraes, um, Carl Henry, Jay Spearing, uh, Dapo Affelein on the left, and then Zach Clough as a, a 10, effectively. Mm. Um, and then up front, Gary Medine and Owen Doyle. He's given honourable mentions for Rob Holding, uh, Chris Eagles, Adam LaFondra, and Josh Vella. Missing anybody there? Hmm. Um, I think he's he's missing a few of the players who are around now. To be honest, I know Arthur Lyon was in there. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Santos. I would probably put in based on his contributions. Um, put him ahead of Beavers. I've got to be honest. I'd love to drop wheats, but I don't want to deal with the grief. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but then again, I mean, Beavers and Wheat had a great that season in League One. Had a great season. Um, goalkeeper, possibly. Yeah, Lonergan. I think it just shows that we've not really had great goalies. <laughs> the fact that Lonergan's in Trafford, um, Trafford here for a whole season. I'd have him in in the second. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, I would argue. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, uh, yeah, there's a, I think um, uh, it's some of the names there though, like Medine. You, yeah, uh, but Medine really for a season and a half. I think uh, he, he does know, say he, actually. He, was... he says that the Medine he, he got him in so that uh, they could sell him for six million quid um, and, and keep. <laughs> yeah, I think you're well, well done. <laughs> That's it. He's got bigger foresight than uh, the uh, people who are running Bolton yes. <laughs> over the last ten yes. years. Yeah, um, yeah. No, there's some. Yeah, there's, I'll be interesting to see what actually what a lot of people say with this one because it's. Uh, I don't think there's many standout names. I think Pete, you're going to get a varied, uh, varied teams. So yeah, bring send them in. So, okay, so if you've got a team or any players you think have been missed out there of the last 10 years outside the Premier League, using the same parameters, they've got to have had a a full good season at Bolton Wanderers, then here's how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on thebuffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Well, it's been a bit of a bumper episode. Um, it's all we've got time for this week anyway. Uh, join us next Friday for more Wanderers-based waffle. But see us out. I've happened upon another short poem from our resident poet laureate, the Bard of Breitmut. Henry, are you sitting comfortably? I am. My muscles still ache, so I can't move, but I'm sitting comfortably. What with my back, I'll tell you. Um, (laughs) Right. Uh, Music. Thank you. Ten years, where did they go? We went to Stoke. We didn't know that what went on would change it all. The dream would fade. The walls would fall. Could Coyle have changed, gone a different way? And could Chris Foy have been sick that day? Could Reem have put more behind his shot? Yossi come back to stop the rot. Those questions now all fade in time as Bolton drop below the line. The ship has turned, we head once more towards promised lands and golden shores. That was nice, wasn't it? It was actually, yeah. And covered covered everything that we said that was very nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna stitch that on a cross stitch. I'm gonna write it on a bed sheet and uh, and you know, whenever we're hopefully at that point of getting promotion back to the Premier League, bring it to the match and, <laughs> and wave it along. Like, actually, it was uh, some people did uh, on that Stoke game, they said uh, preempted us going down and wrote, we'll be back on it. Was it a, some pay, bits right. of paper stuck together? Yeah. I, I do wonder so. what's happened, whether, whether they've actually kept them so they can say, I told you so on match of the day in 2034 or whenever it actually does happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's, Leeds sang it, didn't they, when we relegated them, and it, it eventually happened. It took them nearly 20 years, but it eventually happened. 
God blimey, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I hope uh, hope they keep that in mind as they exit the Premier League again. It looks like that's going to happen, but hey ho. Um, right, okay. okay. Until until next week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please get in touch if there's anything you'd like to see us talk about over the summer because we've got that little bit of extra time as well. So more than happy to do so. We've got loads of things in the pipeline, including keep on promising it, but we have got it. The Dave Hickson special will be coming up. Um, until next week on the Buff, I have been Mark Rio Miachi. Isles and I have been Henry um, oh who can I choose Henry uh, Tyrone Mears Hewitt (laughs) Um, yeah well this has been the buff see you later